1: Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com.
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Andy Dumpty. Now, it has been a very traumatic week for the British people. The death of... Queen Elizabeth II, who had reigned for 70 years, left the British nation and indeed many people around the world with a feeling of being bereft. She was a very popular person, probably the most loved and respected world figure. And she had a long life. Her husband, Prince Philip, died not long ago and... She fulfilled her last obligation on Tuesday when she welcomed Liz Truss, the new British Prime Minister, to Balmoral, where she was staying and had obviously gone to see her last days out. That was her last duty, and her death has caused much sadness with our neighbours in Britain and many people here too who admired her. I'm joined now by Chris Johns, Chris, former Chief Economist of the Bank of Ireland, now a respected commentator. Chris, this is a very sad moment for the British people, and the sadness, I think, stretches right across the world. Joe Biden, for example, is considering coming to Britain for her funeral. He and many other leaders, including Vladimir Putin, have expressed condolences to British people and to the Queen's relatives and uh, on behalf of I'm sure many of our listeners we should express our condolences here to the royal family and to the British people who loved her dearly. The mood in London must be fairly somber, Chris.
1: Yeah, it's been striking to listen to the uh, news reports coming from outside the gates of Buckingham Palace and indeed Balmoral itself, where they're doing vox pops with with very ordinary people. And a lot of those people are from overseas. Um, They're visitors or they might be people that have emigrated to the UK. Some of them have been Irish. Um, I just, um, a couple of minutes ago, witnessed an interview with somebody from Dublin expressing very respectful comments uh, about uh, the Queen, and from all over the world, actually. You mentioned some of the world leaders that have expressed their condolences very eloquently and very respectfully, Vladimir Putin most notably. But I'd recommend anybody have a look at um, Macron, President Macron of France's Uh, press release that he put out yesterday, um, incredibly uh, dignified, beautifully written, and just full of um, respect and admiration for for Queen Elizabeth. Um, And it's it's understandable in in so many ways, even for somebody like me that wouldn't consider himself to be a monarchist. It is is quite a moment. Uh, And at a personal level, she was born in the same year as as my own mother, actually, 1926. Yes. A long time ago now. um, The same year that John, you know, to, to, to understand the changes that have taken place in Britain and the world since then, you, you start then and look at, that was the year that John Logie Baird um, did his first TV broadcast. The first prime minister that the Queen met when she had um, acceded to the throne was Winston Churchill, yes. who was born in 1874. And yes. The last prime minister that she met, of course, only two days ago, Liz Truss, was born in 1975. So, so yes, very much an era and very much the, the, the end of an era. I think a couple of people put it brilliantly, because inevitably we ask, well, what does it all mean, and how did it happen in the way that it happened, and what was it that she brought to the table? Keir Starmer put it in a very dignified way, in which he said she was the still point in our turning world. Yes. And exactly the same sentiment has been expressed a thousand times by many different people, but there was a taxi driver on ITV News last night who said the same thing in a slightly different way. And I quote, she's the only constant we've all had in our lives. And I think that's what people feel the most, that she's represented um, stability, connection, unity uh, in a a very, very turbulent world.
0: Yes, and the headline in The Sun is very simple. Ma'am, we loved you. I just want to go on, of course, and talk about the politics of the week in Britain. But before I do, I feel obliged to reference a piece that's in a special supplement the Irish Times is running. The piece is written by Fintan O'Toole and it is really one of the vilest pieces of journalism I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of vile journalism. It is an attack on Queen Elizabeth and it completely omits references to things she did during, for example, our peace process, including her visit to the Garden of Remembrance, the words of Gaelic that she uttered in the beginning of her speech in Dublin Castle, shaking hands warmly with Martin McGuinness, an IRA man and one of those who would have been responsible for the murder of Lord Mountbatten, who was a relative of hers and indeed of Prince Philip's and a dear friend. And something she said during that visit that had a deep resonance for a lot of Irish people. She was talking about the Troubles and she said, things that should never have been done were done. And that was a reference and understood to be to the behaviour of British soldiers who murdered innocent people in the north of Ireland. I would say to the Irish Times... They should not have published this piece of of journalism. It is foul, it is dishonest by omission, and it's an insult to the people in Britain who are our nearest neighbours. Now, Chris, the week in Britain, Liz Truss, a new regime, and yesterday an economic statement about how they propose dealing Liz Truss and her government with. The economic crisis. It's capping the energy costs to consumers for two years. It's said that it will cost 150 billion. What do you make of it as an economist?
1: Yeah, we don't really know enough of the detail to be able to put a price on it. And when challenged, she hasn't been able to say with any precision. Um, what all of this means. It's partly to do with the peculiar way we price energy to both households in particular, but also businesses in this country. The cap simply puts a ceiling on the price that energy suppliers, the British equivalent of the ESB or Bord Gosh, can uh, charge their their customers. And um, they can charge less than that if they want, but it's a maximum price. And And they get
0: the difference from the government, correct?
1: Well, now they do. But the... uh, and and some of some of these companies, as a result of the peculiarities of the way this market is organised in the UK, have actually gone bust in recent years. One very big one, a big one called Bulb, is in in, in administration and is uh, rumoured to have so far cost the British taxpayer four billion in those transfers. That the differences that you just mentioned there, and the the cap, as it's called badly, it's not a great name for it. It creates a lot of confusion. Was due to go up such that. An average British household would be charged about three and a half thousand pounds in excess around four thousand euros plus um, on from October the 1st. And um, you could end up paying more than that. If you're a heavy consumer of electricity, you could be charged less if you're a single person in a well insulated home. But that was an average. Um, and she's reduced that to two and a half thousand pounds. The average household at the moment um, over the summer was due to pay about 1900 So it's still a rise in prices for British consumers, but far less of a one than many people feared. And there was great fear. Now, this, of course, is a big um, about turn, but a U-turn by Liz Truss, as we mentioned. And um, the the details, apart from what I've just described, are scant. So we don't know uh, ultimately who's going to end up paying for this. We don't know how much it will cost. $150 billion has been mentioned. If the gas price, for example, was to go up from here a lot, and nobody knows what it's going to do, it really, really is unforecastable, given the things that have driven it to the levels that it's at, um, it could be more than $150 billion. The gas price actually this week in wholesale markets has fallen a lot. Go figure. Um, in the week after Putin finally cut off completely gas supplies to Europe, the wholesale gas price has fallen. Nobody forecasts to that. So at the moment, at current gas prices, it will probably cost a lot less than 150 billion. But who knows? We are due to find out from the new chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, who at some point in the next few weeks is due to make a big fiscal announcement, just don't call it a budget, um, and in which a lot of these details are due to be supplied. But it is an enormous economic policy experiment, because on the face of it, it's going to add massively to public debt in the UK, the amount of money that the government has to borrow. And uh, of course, that comes at a time after we've borrowed an awful lot to pay for the pandemic. Um, They had to do it. There was no choice because a lot of households and businesses, if they hadn't done something like this, would have gone under. Um, both in personal terms and and particularly the small and medium sized yes. companies like pubs and restaurants and hotels are already struggling with their costs and would frankly have gone bust you'd have seen wholesale closures of things like pubs across the country and it's of course it's not just britain's going to have to do that you you're going to do it in ireland germany last weekend announced a 65 billion euro package the latest thing that they've done on top of other packages that they've done so we're talking serious amounts of money In in a big economic experiment, because it's not like during the pandemic when we were borrowing lots of money to bail companies and individuals out from things like furlough and lockdowns. This is coming at a time of high inflation. Inflation was zero during the pandemic. This is coming at a time when government borrowing costs are actually going up in many countries by quite a lot. Um, Back when we were borrowing money for the pandemic, it was costless for governments to borrow. So these are very changed... Times and, we're, and very uncertain as to what effects this is going to have on things like borrowing, interest rates, exchange rates, and the like. It's all connected, but it's, what we do know is that the consequences are going to be huge. But like most economists, I'll tell you, I'm not terribly certain about what those consequences are going to be.
0: Now, our public finances, as we understand it, or at least as I understand it, are relatively healthy at the moment. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. You couldn't, in Ireland, be in a more different position, fiscally at least, and I would argue in lots of other ways, um, to the UK. The UK has a problem with its budget deficit. It's too big at this point in the cycle. Um, in, in Ireland, it's exactly the reverse. It looks like you're going to have a budget surplus this year. For the, year, for the eight months to the end of August, you had a surplus of €6 billion, euros, for example. So at risk of overstating the case, Pascal Donoghue is drowning in cash. Yes, The new new chancellor in the United Kingdom couldn't be in a more different position. So Donoghue does have a lot of money to play with. And there's lots of uh, talk about the upcoming budget on the 27th of September in Ireland. The Department of Finance is trying to head off in its traditional way in Ireland any sense that there are going to be really big handouts as a result of this energy crisis, but there are going to have to be. Um, it's, been, it's been reported it would be 2 billion in Ireland. Um, if it, It's going to be more than that, Eamon.
0: Right. Now, sterling has fallen 15% against the dollar this year. Will that add to inflation or have any impact on inflation? And will it have any impact on our own dear euro?
1: Yeah, well, it's not just sterling that's weak. The euro is very weak as well. It's now at one for one against the dollar. So yes. uh, it's it's partly a story of dollar strength against all currencies, the euro, the yen, and the pound. But the pound has been weak against the euro. So the pound is bottom of the league table of major currencies. All major currencies are weak against the dollar, and the pound is propping up that league table And there are lots of reasons for that. Um, The main one being is that starting position of the UK as we go into the winter energy crisis that we know is coming our way. Fiscally, they're in a bad position. Politically, they're in a bad position. From an overall economic point of view, they're in a bad position. I talked about Ireland versus the UK in terms of the fiscal situation. If you just think of the overall economic growth situation the UK economy isn't growing at the moment the Bank of England is forecasting explicitly that we are either in or very close to a recession that will last for at least a year that's not the situation not yet anywhere in Ireland where all of the economic data for the first half of 2022 suggests that yeah there may have been a slowdown at the edges of the Irish economy but overall it's still going gangbusters hence the fact that your fiscal position is, is so strong. So you couldn't paint a starker picture of differences between these two economies, Britain and Ireland. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together.
0: Now, Quasi Quatang, an old Etonian, is the new Chancellor of the Exchequer. And, like, he lives three or four doors down from Liz Truss in Greenwich, which is a part of London I know very well, South London, quite close to Millwall, in fact. It must have had a few licks of paints since I was last in Greenwich. But a number of the new Cabinet appointments lived there. And she is said to have appointed nobody who was associated in any way with Rishi Sunak or his campaign, and who have appointed a cabinet of right-wing cronies. Is that a fair criticism in your view?
1: Yes, it is. And it extends beyond the purely political appointments of ministers to both the cabinet and to the layer of government underneath the cabinet. It extends to the civil service. She's gotten rid of somebody called Tom Scholar, who was the most senior civil servant Uh, up until uh, this week anyway. something
0: Johnson did as well. He and Cummings got rid of their cabinet secretary quickly when they took power.
1: So, in in many ways, it's Continuity Johnson, if you like, in terms of the approach that she's taken. She's appointed um, friends, the Greenwich Mafia, as it's often called these days, and uh, mostly uh, right-wing political fellow travellers of hers, so we are getting uh, very much the continuity that we expected. What we're, what, what's what been interesting, though, is the, way, the, the, the couple of things that she's done. There's been a mood change in Westminster um, this week, which has been very interesting to observe. First of all, the exchanges between Truss and uh, Keir Starmer at parliamentary questions, it was the first exchange of its type in years, predating yes. Johnson, because Johnson was all about Style, not about substance. There was nothing substantial about Johnson's approach to politics whatsoever. He wasn't interested in policy at all. It was all about the the, the style, the rhetoric, the tousled hair, the, the crumpled shirt, and um, the way he looked, the way he sounded. What he actually said was irrelevant because it didn't matter from a policy point of view. Because the one thing he wasn't interested in was policy. But for the first time in years, we had a policy exchange in Westminster, an exchange of views. Um, about policy, and it was old-fashioned right versus left uh, policy exchanges. So that, that in some ways, that was refreshing, in the sense that it was about substance rather yes. than because both leaders are quite wooden public speakers. So we yes. were listening to what they actually said rather than the way in which they said it. Yeah, she and, did
0: rather better. People were saying than expected because she doesn't appear to be a particularly fluent speaker.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the other small surprise this week is 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 that I think she is doing a bit better. I think that is, is as much a function of low expectations as anything. When you don't expect very much from anything, when something happens, sometimes you can be pleasantly surprised in terms of the outcome. And so she has done better. And the two substantive things that she's done this week—I mean, she's only been in office for a couple of days—but there are two substantive things. The first one we've talked about, which is the the big U-turn which was necessary, it was a good thing, it was pragmatic, and ran counter to everything that she said, subsidizing energy bills. The second thing that's happened, less explicitly, less upfront, but in its more leaks and uh, soundings, is that she's appointed ERG uh, hardliners to the Northern Ireland office. Yeah, Steve
0: Baker being one of them, and he is a hardliner and a very committed and indeed intelligent hardliner.
1: Yeah, and so the two stories coming out of Westminster unconfirmed but they are from as we say reliable sources is that the northern firstly the northern ireland protocol bill will still continue its trundling way through the houses of parliament being held up in the lords bouncing between the lords and the commons and that will take its time but eventually it will go through but there will it, there is no intention to quickly push it through or indeed to then take it and implement the the consequences of the bill, which gives them the power to simply junk the Northern Ireland Protocol completely, the initial thing that happened was that they were they would then do the interim step. It used to be the nuclear step, but such is the way things change. What used to be nuclear becomes uh, a modest step, and that was the famous triggering of Article 16. Yes, and that was deemed that would be the most likely thing to happen in the weeks and months ahead. That the, they wouldn't go full junking of the protocol. They do the Article 16 thing, which would tie them up in a process, because Article 16 is part of the protocol. It is part of the agreement with the European Union that triggers certain processes, certain review arrangements that then go through. But the latest is that there's mutterings. They're not even going to do that, at least not immediately. And that the the people, the ERG hardliners that they've appointed to the two key Northern Ireland positions um, are talking about trying for a negotiated solution. Now, you could argue that, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? But actually, no, they wouldn't because they, so up until this week, they've been taking this ultra, ultra hardline position of going their own way. So there's been a U turn over economic policy and something of a turn over the attitude towards Northern Ireland. Now, time will tell. We, it may well go pear shaped in a way that we both have talked about and have feared for some time. But it seems there's a streak of pragmatism to this woman that we didn't expect, that is inconsistent with this picture that we paint, I think quite rightly, of this right-wing ideologue. Maybe there is a streak of pragmatism there that we didn't expect. Maybe a
0: trade war with Europe, which would be the natural result of going full head-on into a dispute, into legal action that the European Union would be entitled to take, they can't really afford to have a, a trade war, can they? Well,
1: there's a couple of aspects of that. First, Nobody can. She, she's, she's pinned her entire um, leadership on the idea that she's going to get the UK economy growing again via tax cuts. Yes. Um, as an economist, I would say good luck with that. But the priority, number one, two, three priority, is, is getting the UK economy growing again. Now, if the first thing you're going to do is have a trade war with your most important trading partner, that is an absolute negative for economic growth. So that's that. That's one sense in which she obviously has to be pragmatic. If she if she's pinning the success of her premiership on economic growth, um, the first thing you do is don't do something that will, with axiomatically, definitely yes. um, reduce turn economic growth negative and um, cause an export collapse. Um, which, which has all of the the, the obvious consequences. So, again, it, it's, it's that streak of pragmatism and realism, perhaps, that wasn't present. Because one of the things that we always said about Johnson is that every time he confronted reality, he pretended it wasn't there and moved on to something else. This woman seems to understand, at least in the, this is very early days, Eamon. So, you right. know, maybe I'm speaking more in hope than expectation. Because that is the other way in which I think the mood has shifted subtly and slightly in Westminster, and perhaps the country at large. And it goes back to that thing that I was talking to you earlier on about, about the starting position of the UK, economically so weak, inflation so high, the weakest currency in the world, the highest inflation rate in the world, interest rates going up, all of those horrible things that are not good for economic growth. And I think the mood has changed a little in the sense that people are saying, if she doesn't succeed, if she makes a mess of this, our starting position is so poor, that is a vista almost too awful to contemplate. She almost has to succeed or at least at least not make anything worse than it already is. So maybe that explains a little bit that people are hoping that she's pragmatic and that the early signs, maybe we're clutching at straws, but the early signs are that she will be.
0: There's another important factor in the Northern Ireland equation, and that is the mood of the United States of America. Joe Biden was quick- to send her congratulations on her appointment and that was reciprocated from Downing Street and there seemed to be a warming of relations and it may well be that President Biden will travel to London for Queen Elizabeth's funeral. But it would be very advantageous, would it not, if the trade deal that Britain clearly wants with the United States, were to be completed, and of course the corollary is were it to be taken off the table. It isn't even on the table at the moment because of Northern Ireland. That wouldn't be smart business, would it?
1: You no, know, the, the US has been consistent all through this yes. and uh, have always said, if you, if you mess up Northern Ireland, if you mess up the island of Ireland as a result of your Brexiteering nonsense, you won't get your trade deal. Maybe the corollary is that uh, there's an offer on the table that if you do back off in in some credible, committed way to doing these stupid things that you keep promising to do, we will give you your trade deal. So maybe the clearest signal in the months ahead that the um, Northern Ireland situation may well be resolved in a way that isn't damaging will be actually that trade deal between Britain and the United States. I have my doubts, but that, that certainly would be logical.
0: Just a final question about the mood in Britain today. We watched last night on television thousands of people outside the palace and a general sort of, there's 10 days of mourning now and then you have a new monarch, King Charles III, whose favour one can say he's a long time, and I'm talking 40 or 50 years, environmentalist, somebody with a real serious interest and knowledge of the importance of the environment. This is a, a bad and very, very sombre moment. It struck me how heartfelt the grief was for Queen Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, the the, the genius of Queen Elizabeth um, was represented, I think, in many different ways. And we've talked about some of them, that, that rock, that constant, that stability during a time of change thing. Um, one of the other things that she managed to do during her time was that she killed any sense of British republicanism stone dead. Yes. Um, and that uh, in a time, in an era, if you think about from the 1950s when she first um, took the, the throne uh, to, to now, um, such huge changes. Nevertheless, and in a time of um, increasing egalitarianism, increasing meritocracy, um, the idea of an inherited uh, monarchy is, 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 is it, it, it sounds anachronistic, yet if, you, if you'd had a referendum here at any point in the last couple of decades, there would have been an overwhelming majority in favor of keeping the constitutional arrangements that we've already got, to keep this, this inheritance. She was a genius in that regard, in that she, she people like me, who would vote for a republic, would have been in a tiny minority.
0: And just a final point about her, she was surrounded, and is surrounded to uh, some extent, within her family, like with Prince Andrew and his behaviour, which is appalling, and his friendship with the sex abuser in the United States, with the Harry and Meghan nonsense, before that, with the tragic life, really, of Princess Diana, she has had to negotiate and navigate her way through all of that, and she's done it, and it speaks volumes for her character and her good humour, that with all of that background chatter and the publicity that goes with it, she maintained her dignity, her humour, and she kept the affection and respect of the British people. And it's very evident today that that in itself is a remarkable achievement.
1: Absolutely. She was schooled by um, the vice-provost of Eton. There's always an Etonian connection when you're talking about British life. And um, he taught her uh, from a book written by somebody called Walter Badgett, um, written in 1867, called The English Constitution. Um, There isn't a written one, but we do have Badgett's book. And he he told the then-princess Elizabeth that the job of being the monarch is to spend life as a frivolous distraction from the real business of government, and she did she provided that distraction those diversions that they were all there the 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 births the marriages the deaths the fairy tale weddings in Westminster abbey all of that sort of thing but as you say the royal family itself but not her ex elizabeth they also provided the horror show i think that's present in many aspects of modern life and her genius part of her genius was to be apart from all of that to sit above it and to not be seen to be contaminated in any way from all of those o- incidents that you talked about there. And the task for Charles, Charles the Third, um, long may he reign, as we say in the UK, will be to maintain that. Because you could go, it could have gone the other way, Eamon, because yes. if you look at the Dutch, the Danish and the Swedish monarchies, and they've all faded into insignificance. They're all still there, but nobody know probably a lot of your listeners will be surprised that those countries still have monarchies. And I suppose that the ultimate genius is that Elizabeth II didn't go the way of those countries' monarchies. And the task facing Charles is to make sure that he doesn't either.
0: Okay, Chris, we're very grateful to you for joining us this morning. As always, thank you very much. We're grateful to Chris, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Planning for your next trip?